Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Fizz Nation, the wait is over. The day is finally here. We've been waiting for it for so, so long. Been so excited about it for so, so long. And it's finally here. The season opener 2019 against Liberty later today down in Lynchburg, Virginia. Syracuse finally getting to take the field. Tommy DeVito taking the reins of that high-octane Syracuse offense. And Thomas Schultz and I, J.D. Rachi, are here to break it down all for you on Fizz Radio. We are so excited to be back with you. We've done preview all summer long. We've done tons of great content all summer long, thanks in large part to Jonathan Hoppy and Tim Leonard. But we are back. Thomas and I are back. And we have got the absolute privilege of talking about this Syracuse football team coming in at number 22 on the season. So much hype surrounding this football program. So much hype surrounding this quarterback, wide receiver, head coach combination that Syracuse has. So much hype surrounding the kind of defense that the Orange could have this season. It's good to be back. It's good to be talking Syracuse football. And it's good to be talking Syracuse football ranked for the first time since 1998 to start a season. Yeah, J.D., this is the first time since 2001 that Syracuse is coming off a 10-win season. And even though you lose Eric Dungey, you still have Tommy DeVito, who may fit Dino Baber's system even better. It's going to be really, really exciting what that offense can do down in Lynchburg, Virginia. And even that defense against a Hugh Freeze coach Liberty team, that's going to be fun to watch. Alden Robinson, Kendall Coleman coming off the edge. You've got Andre Sisco, Christopher Frederick in the secondary. Talent all over this position. We'll get everything going with in terms of the depth chart and all the talent that Syracuse has to offer. We'll even take a look at Liberty a little bit later in the show. But first, we just got to start off with how much hype has been surrounding this football team this offseason. You you end it back with a 10-win season against West Virginia in the Camping World Bowl back in December. And ever since then, it just seems like pieces have started to fall together where, oh, wow, Syracuse could be a sleeper team in the ACC oh, well, the ACC's a little weak this season, so maybe Syracuse could finish, I don't know, third, fourth in the Atlantic. Will they do it again, back-to-back seasons? And now, all of a sudden, with Syracuse getting ready to open their season, the rest of college football getting ready to open their season this weekend after Week 0 last weekend with Miami and Florida, among other games, you now look at this team and you say, this is probably the second-best team in the ACC outside of the defending national champion and consensus number one overall team in the country, Clemson. And, of course, that that matchup has been hyped up probably a little bit even too much compared to what the, the matchup is actually going to bring. But you look at just all the buzz surrounding the Syracuse football team this offseason. La Familia makes its debut. You've got a series dedicated to Syracuse football. And, of course, it's not an ACC network like uh, Clemson's is with the all-in series on ACC Network that launched a couple of weeks ago, but you still got La Familia, which is incredibly entertaining. Highly recommend you check it out uh, on YouTube on the Syracuse Orange uh, Athletics YouTube page. It's a wonderfully produced and wonderfully done series. Just kind of getting even more of a look inside the program about what these guys are all about. Moniel, Ify Melifonwu. All of the above, you know, Tommy DeVito, just kind of getting a sense of how excited they are for this football season because. I can't imagine that we're the only ones excited. I'm sure these guys are getting ready tonight at 6 o'clock, and they're in their minds right now as we bring you up to the 10 o'clock hour here on the Score 1260 that this is a season that could be really, really special, and I think they realize that. 
Yeah, and it seems like the rest of college football is finally giving Syracuse the credit that it deserves. Last year, people were kind of biding their time, saying, all right, Syracuse, let's see what happens. And then they go out, they win 10 games, they have a great year, they're ranked. This year, like you said, J.D., people are saying, maybe they finish fourth, maybe they finish third. And then as football comes closer, people are starting to say, well, they are the second best team in this conference. Florida State's down, Miami's down. This Syracuse team is really, really exciting. And there's, like you said, a lot of confidence in that building. Tommy DeVito, yeah, he showed a little bit of flashes of what he could do last year. It's finally his team. All the cards on the table. He finally gets to show out what he can do. And I'm sure Dino Babers is salivating at the mouth just over the potential offense he can run with Tommy DeVito in his cannon of an arm at QB. Well, I just think the thing, too, with Dino is he's trying to temper expectations a little bit, which is very head coach speak, like, uh, hey, you know, Liberty's a tough opponent, and they are, and they, they've got a really good head coach in Hugh Freeze, which we'll get to in a little bit later in the show. But tempering these expectations, it's hard to when the expectations are so high right now. And it's almost like looking at Syracuse basketball a little bit in a way because there's so much just adulation and excitement and hype surrounding every single Syracuse basketball season. It has not been that way for Syracuse football in a long, long time, probably since the Donovan McNabb era, to be quite frank, which is the last time they started ranked to begin a season in the AP and the coaches poll, checking in at number 22. But you just look at the way that the community has embraced this team, and you've just seen an uptick, and hey, I'm a Syracuse football season ticket holder now. Like We're going to pack the dome. We are going to get Clemson. We are going to get all these, all these fantastic games, and we are going to show out. And I think that's in large part a testament to the on-field product that Syracuse has put or put together it really we're still looking only at one season of quote-unquote consistency of uh, a, you know a, a season in which they really go out and get after it in a bunch of games and then win a bunch of games we're still only looking at one year of that so that's why this season might be a big litmus test but outside of that you look at the way Dino Babers has embraced this community the way Dino Babers addresses and handles himself in press conferences he's a very endearing guy a guy that we uh, love to see you know kind of just talk any any I think I could listen to Dino Babers talk about just about any subject in the world and I'd listen intently and be very very captivated because he's just got that kind of personality but the way he's embraced this community the way John Wildhack the athletic director has embraced this community and kind of up the ante with bringing you know cues on the quad before football games last season and kind of up in the ante of the everyday fan experience that in turn has given so much hype to this program, and then you see our city, our county, our house, which was the thing right out in front of Syracuse City Hall um, last week with Mayor Ben Walsh and Ryan McMahon, the Onondaga County uh, executive. And you just look at the kind of way that, number one, the football team has embraced the community, and then number two, the way the community has embraced the football team, plus the on-field product that they put together last season, plus the potential that you have this season to be one of the best teams in the ACC, perhaps make a New Year's Six Bowl. I think that all of those factors kind of coming together, they're just the perfect ingredients to produce the kind of hype that is surrounding this team this season. Yeah, and I mean, like you mentioned earlier, things like La Familia and Dino Babers really showing and portraying his team to the community, that makes fans more engaged. And this team gets it. Dino Babers understands that. And so what he's really done, and so has John Wildhack to an extent, is they've really portrayed this team and Syracuse Athletics really pushed this team on, you know, your social media pages like Twitter and things like that. Hashtag Oitniff, baby. Exactly. So, I mean, this team is really giving this community a lot of excitement and 
consistently popping up on people's phones all the time to show, hey, we're still around. We're still kicking. We're still improving. Watch out for this team. You know, get season tickets. Obviously, that's had a big rise this year. A lot of excitement in the community and the team doing a great job of capitalizing upon that. I mean, I think a great example of it is you look at the Clemson game. It's been sold out for months. Like, that place is going to be absolutely filled to the brim. I don't care if it's 150 degrees outside and the dome makes it 190. Like, people are still going to show up and they're going to show out. They're going to be rocking all orange. They're going to be looking for Syracuse to topple Clemson, to take down Trevor Lawrence, to take down the defending national champions. And when you have that kind of hype, that kind of promise, that kind of just unctuousness surrounding a team and excitement surrounding a team, that makes it so much easier to cover, to be a fan of, to look at and say, this team could be something really, really special. I think another great example of it in the way that's the way the community has embraced the football team, but a way in which the football team has embraced the community. This week's the finale, I think it was episode six, if I'm not mistaken. They did six episodes of La Familia. The focus this week is kind of on Chris Elmore uh, and him being a leader for this football team. And uh, our city, our county, our house was a big feature point of the episode this week. And, you know, when Ben Walsh and Ryan McMahon kind of uh, signed the papers that made it, you know, our city, our county, our house day in the county of Onondaga and in Syracuse as a city, Chris Elmore said, wow. And the camera kind of quickly panned because they weren't expecting him to say anything. It quickly jerkily panned away. And he was like, wow, they just named a whole day after us. Like, that's a cool feeling as an athlete, I'm sure. I mean, I only played sports barely through high school for through my like freshman year of high school, so I can't say like what it is to be a Division One ACC student athlete, which with this high, this much hype, excuse me, uh, surrounding the program of which I'm a part. But just to see that reaction on Chris Olmore's face and to say, "Wow, this is this is kind of our city right now, and we kind of are dominating this city in a way that a lot of people didn't expect us to. Nobody thought ten wins was coming last year." Now they expect at least, what, probably eight or nine wins at the very minimum this year with a favorable schedule and a really good team with a lot of returning pieces. Not only are the fans excited, these guys are excited because the fans are excited. And it's all it's just the synergy of the community and the football team and the athletics department that makes this team and this program really special and intriguing heading into the year. Yeah, it's going to be a great year. I mean, I, I can't imagine what that feeling must be like. And you know, you know, Babers is telling recruits and telling the team, like, hey, look, this this city, this county, they are all in. They love this football team. Come and look at and embrace the community and see what it's all about. And obviously, like you said, Chris Elmore and these guys are they're seeing that. They're seeing it firsthand. And I expect that to continue throughout the season and hopefully continue into further seasons. I think this team is bought in, this community is bought in, this coaching staff is bought in. And that's going to be a recipe for success. On top of all the talent you have on the team, you've got two first preseason first-team All-Americans, one of only five teams in the country to do that. I mean, imagine thinking last year, you think to yourself, oh, our kicker and our true freshman safety are going to be first-team preseason All-Americans. Imagine thinking that before the Western Michigan opener last year. You would have gotten laughed at of any room you're in if you thought Andre Sisco was going to be a preseason first-team All-American. I don't even know if Andre Sisco thought he was going to be that good. And Andre Sisco is a confident kid with a ton of talent, which we've obviously seen, and he has a great head on his shoulders as well, which is something else uh, we'll get into a little bit later in the show. 
but just the turnaround that this Syracuse football team has put forth in the last 12 months, in the last however many months it's been since, you know, they really got on that roll, and you're like, hmm, this team's really good. Then they kind of get shellacked against Notre Dame at the end of the season. You're like, eh, let's pump the brakes a little bit, you know. They just got the door, the brakes beaten off of them. But then they come out and they win the Camping World Bowl, and there's so much hype surrounding this Syracuse football season, and it's so exciting. And we're going to get into the players behind the reason that people are so excited for this Syracuse football season. On the other side, we take a look at the depth chart, plus lots of turnover at some key positions for this team. But don't fret, there could be a lot of excitement come 6 o'clock tonight against Liberty. That's coming up on Fizz Radio on the Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz breaking down the season opener coming up at 6 o'clock tonight down in Lynchburg, Virginia as Syracuse gets set to take on Liberty. And Thomas, you know, something I wasn't really aware of, not necessarily aware of, but not just cognizant and I didn't realize it, was how successful Syracuse has been over the last five seasons in season openers. They're 5-0 and in their last five season openers. They're 3-0 and under Dino Babers trying to go for 4-0 and this season. But also they won against Western Michigan last year, Central Connecticut State two years ago, Colgate, uh, Dino's first year, URI in the final season of the Scott Schaefer era, and then Villanova in a wild game that really should not have been as close as it was in the Dome back a couple of years ago that was the last time the last time or the first time they had won since losing to Penn State in 2013 but the thing when you look at those five schools Western Michigan Central Connecticut State Colgate URI and Villanova one of those teams is an FBS team that's Western Michigan last year and look I think there's an interesting correlation perhaps between starting with a tougher opponent in Western Michigan, quote-unquote tougher, even though Syracuse kind of handled them pretty easily, put up 50-plus points. Is there a correlation, do you think, between having a tougher opponent week one and the success you have for the rest of the season? I think so. I mean, it really just sets the bar higher for the team at the beginning of the year. You could play a Liberty, and it's like, all right, well, at least you're not playing an FCS team this year. Right, they're an FBS team. Year two FBS team, which isn't... Which isn't much, but they're an FBS team. They just got there. They're FBS, but at the same time, you see these games. I mean, Clemson, Georgia Tech. Clemson, they're going to blow out Georgia Tech every time. But at least, you know, it's an ACC game. It's an ACC game. It's It's a little bit different. It's it's more meaningful. Like, Syracuse says Maryland week two. You put that game week one, I think fans, they're already excited this year, don't get me wrong, but really just ratchets up the excitement even more. Gets people more pumped. Not just about the season, but we have a tough game week one. We have Mike Loxley and a Maryland team. Mike Loxley, who was just at Alabama last year. Like, that's going to be a good game. And I think, you know, now, I don't know, Liberty, Liberty's fun, don't get me wrong, but Maryland could be kind of a trap game. But if you have them week one, they're not. It's something that the team's like, we got we to gotta look out for this. But Liberty, maybe you look ahead a little bit. Yeah, they're saying they're looking out for Liberty, and I do think they are because they don't know exactly what they're going to get out of this Flames squad because it is the Hugh first freezes. year. Right. I mean, Hugh Freeze, we'll get into Liberty and kind of the specifics surrounding that team uh, later on in the show, but Hugh Freeze working with a staff infection right now, likely won't be on the sideline, going to be head coaching from the press box up in the booth. Uh, so those are some interesting factors to get into. And I, I understand where you're coming from saying, hey, let's play Maryland week one. Let's get this team even more jacked up. Let's get everybody even more jacked up. Uh, but I, I'm i a fan of a lower-level FBS team like Liberty 
starting the season. The reason being, if you're playing an FCS team, you know you're going to roll them. Rarely does an FCS team beat an FBS team. The only one that comes off the top of my head is App State over Michigan. Uh, what was that? Game. Probably a decade. Yeah, though. probably a couple decades. Uh, not a couple decades, but a decade plus ago at this point. And, of course, uh, App State now an FBS team in their own right. But back then they were an FCS team. That was the shock of the century when they upset Michigan um, in the season opener. But you know you're going to beat an FCS team. You likely know you're going to beat an FBS team as well, an FBS team on the caliber of a Western Michigan or Liberty if you're an ACC team, frankly, you, you should be beating those teams. Mm-hmm. And Syracuse didn't prove that against Middle Tennessee State a couple of years ago. But uh, we're kind of in the, a new era of Syracuse football in terms of the opponents they can beat and the opponents that they have a chance to beat. But to me, an FBS team on a lower level, it gives you a little bit of angst in your chest. It gives you a little bit of angina, you know, just a little bit of nervousness, a little bit of butterflies that – you should have in a challenge like a Maryland would be, but I think it also gives you an opportunity to kind of just take a little roll into the season. It doesn't have to be, all right, let's lock down week one. We have to be perfect. We have to execute on every level to beat this team. And I don't think Maryland would necessarily be that way in week two, which would be uh, next week's opponent for Syracuse coming up uh, down in Maryland in College Park, which is going to be a tough game um, for Syracuse in week two. But before we get away from Liberty too, too much, I think a Liberty is kind of a perfect opponent for Syracuse to start with, especially because of the Hugh Freeze. Like we didn't, when Syracuse scheduled this game out years ago, they didn't know they were going to be going through a coaching turnover. They didn't know that Hugh Freeze, a former SEC head coach, would be, you know, manning the helm for Liberty. But this is kind of creating the perfect storm for Syracuse because it's enough of a challenge where it's not like you're just like, oh, we're going to roll over them. But it's not too much of a challenge where your young team that has key positions turning over is going to be, you know, a deer in the headlights. Yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I think just in general, not just Syracuse, but just all college football Power 5 conference teams, I want to see more competition through all, throughout all of them. I want to see more crossing over, you know, maybe you play a Big Ten team, maybe you play a Big 12, an SEC, you know. You want something. less of South Carolina versus Furman. Exactly. We don't need that. We know what's going to happen. <laughs> You, I mean, you need less of Clemson versus Furman. You need less of Syracuse versus Wagner. Those kinds of games. And I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, those games are not fun to watch unless you like just seeing a, a poor team just get beat on relentlessly for yeah. a couple of hours. I mean, if I'm if I'm a Liberty fan, and this is the biggest game in program history for, for Liberty, they have come out and said that on their social that, media. If I'm a Liberty fan, this is the first time you're hosting a ranked FBS opponent that's exciting and all, but I still have it in the back of my head. Uh, this is going to be tough. This is a Syracuse team that's ranked number 22 in the country. They might even be a little bit better than that. You know, do I really want to watch my team get absolutely, you know, shellacked for four quarters? And I'm not saying uh, Liberty will. I think that they're a pretty good team, which we'll get into um, in just a little bit. But it's just an interesting way to look at these. We talk all the time about scheduling of college basketball. I think a college basketball schedule is a little bit not more interesting to look at, but the non-conference opponents because there are so many more of them. There's a little bit more leeway you can have for big-time opponents, but I th- certainly think it's something interesting to keep your eye on at least for college football as they continue to grow the product over the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, you can't do this in football, but basketball, you've got the Invitationals, the Maui Invitationals, you know, little tournaments where you play, I don't know, Iowa State, you might play Kansas, teams like that. It's more fun. I, 
I would love to see Syracuse and other teams do do what they're doing this year and schedule teams like Maryland. You know, I just mix it up, play somebody new, play somebody different every year. It makes it more exciting. Yeah, I definitely think it does. But let's take a look at the team that will be taking on Liberty uh, in game one of their season coming up at 6 o'clock later tonight. The depth chart officially released for game one against Liberty earlier this week. And no surprise at the top, it's Tommy DeVito taking over for Eric Dungy. But we, we kind of mentioned this briefly, very briefly, uh, in you know before we took the break in segment one. But this Tommy DeVito-led offense might be better than the Eric Dungy-led offense because Tommy DeVito fits this scheme a little bit better. He can sling it all over the field. He can dump it off, and he's not so much of an injury liability because he is not as mobile as Eric Dungy. You might not have the same Tommy DeVito's our warrior kind of feeling around Tommy around that you had around Eric Dungy that you will have around Tommy DeVito, but you're a little bit more comfortable with him not getting his head taken off by a linebacker at the second level, as you were with Eric Dungy. Yeah, I wrote about this earlier this week, just comparing the stats on our website, Orange Fizz, uh, between what we think Tommy DeVito will do this year versus what Eric Dungy did last year. No surprise, DeVito will probably have better passing stats. Dungy had better rushing stats. The I mean, thing- Dungy was the team's leading rusher last year. Yeah, like yeah. Tommy DeVito's not going to be that. No, he's not. He's, he's a pocket passer. He's going to stay in the pocket, but he'll probably, hopefully, be on the field more than Dungy was. Uh, but... At the same time, the, the thing that kind of struck me is Dungy completed 60.1% of his passes last year, I think. So pretty high. I don't know if Tommy DeVito is going to reach that percentage level. But at the same time, he's, he's just going to be throwing deep down the field a lot. And Dino Babers loves to do that. Have three, four receivers out on the field at one time. So, yeah, the percentage might not be as high, but you're going to get a lot of 25-plus yard catches. It's going to be more of that spread out style that uh, Dino learned under Art Bryles at Baylor and that whole program and Art Bryles are, of course, yeah. mired in controversy. So we're not going to get into that at, at that level. But at a football level, Tommy DeVito is more of that. I'm going to stand in the pocket. I can move a little bit. I'm not. I'm. I don't want to discount the way that the athleticism and the agility and the quickness of Tommy DeVito. But he's not a fullback playing quarterback like Eric Dungey yeah. was. Like he's not going to run over people and he's not going to kick people in the head when he hurdles them and all that kind of stuff. You know that made Dungey kind of a folk hero for Syracuse over the last couple of seasons, but DeVito, I think this offense could run at a higher level. I think it'll be a good test today against Liberty to see at what level they're at right now because Dino has said throughout camp, throughout the summer, the offense is lagging behind the defense a little bit. You know, turning from one quarterback to another is really, really difficult, even though Tommy did play significant snaps in the North Carolina game, the Notre Dame game uh, last year. But those are, you know, it's it's still tough to turn an entire offense over to an entirely new quarterback. That plus the fact that you've got a new look offensive line. You got Aaron Service sliding out to a tackle spot instead of playing center. You've got uh, you know a redshirt freshman in Carlos Veterello, which is kind of the, one of the surprises of the depth chart over the last couple of weeks as it continues to progress and get the way it is now. Finally, Carlos Veterello, the redshirt freshman, will start at right tackle over Ryan Alexander, the transfer from South Alabama, the grad transfer. So these are all things to kind of keep your eye on. Alexander will be the backup left tackle behind service over on the left side protecting Tommy DeVito's blind spot. But having all that turnover on offense at those key positions at tackle where you lose a Coda Martin, where you know you lose a, a Cody Conway, and you lose these pieces that are important to your offense, it's going to be interesting to see 
how that offense looks. But then you look at the defensive side and really the rest of the offense in terms of depth chart, just real quick, Mo Neal will be the starting running back. Not really a surprise there. He was the feature back last season. Abdul Adams will back him up. Outside receivers, Tristan Jackson, uh, Taj Harris will start. Inside receivers, Sean Riley and Nikeem Johnson. And then Courtney Jackson, who's been making a ton of noise as a true freshman. We might get into him a little bit later in the show. Chris Elmore will be your starting tight end. And then Evan Adams and Dakota Davis are back to start on the offensive line for Syracuse. But defensively, you return seven, maybe eight, depending on how you count the starters. Was Andrew Armstrong a starter last year? Were they really playing the nickel scheme that they were supposed to play all of last year? Blah, 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 blah on defense. But this is a team that fo- that forced excuse me, 31 turnovers last year, which were the most by any Power 5 team in the country. This is a really good defense coming back, and it starts, I think, on that defensive end side, the two sides of the defensive ends, Alton Robinson, Kendall Coleman, they're going to be a force again. Yeah, no, I, the offense is lagging behind the defense in preseason, probably because of how good this defense is. Obviously, with the offense, you're going to have some question marks on the offensive line that need to be solved. Obviously, Tommy DeVito needs to build the chemistry with that wide receiver group, but you're not losing much on this defense. You've got your secondary set, Andre Sisco. Dino Babers is saying he's just going to be even better this year. So if he can build off that freshman season, he says that he's really bulked up. I mean, if Cisco has a pick in this game, I'm number one, not going to be surprised. But number two, I'm just going to be like, okay, it's a, it's another Andre Cisco season. Because he had, I think, one against Western Michigan last year. Then he had the two against Wagner in week two. Like, this kid's special, but is he as special as we saw last season? Is he going to go into a sophomore slump? I think is something interesting to keep our eyes on. Yeah, he's a, he's an absolute ball hawk back there in the secondary. Chris Frederick, another guy who's just a consistent, not maybe not a lockdown corner, but he's almost there. He's really, really good. Uh, you got Melon Fonwu, who's going to be very interesting to see what he can do. He's getting an opportunity to really shine here, and then stud. Yeah, if you Melifonwu, stud. Six foot three. Buy stock now. Yeah, he's he's got the. He's going to be a shutdown player. corner in the next couple of years. Yeah, he's going to be a beast. Uh, I mean, linebacker. You got some freshmen who can make an impact. This yeah, year. but that's the biggest question mark spot because you've got, quote unquote, not a returning starter, Andrew Armstrong, who played most right. defensive snaps right. last season for Syracuse. He's more or less um, a returning starter. But then you got Lakeem Williams, who's a JUCO transfer, really talented guy, nicknamed the QB Nightmare. Check out his interview uh, with Drew Carter from a couple of signing days ago on our SoundCloud at Orange Fizz. Um, But the linebacker spot, and I wrote about this in my piece uh, on orangefizz.net about how good can this defense be because we've heard Dino say, the strength of our unit, our team is the defense. The strength of our team is the defense. The defense is ahead of the offense. But there are question marks. You're losing Kylan Whitner and you're losing Ryan Guthrie, your two top tacklers from a season ago. Now it's going to be the question of can Michael Jones step up as a true freshman? Because I think there's going to be a bit more of a rotation at backer this year than there was a year ago. So it's going to be up to Michael Jones, Lee Koba, Juan Wallace, the sophomore. Can they step in in their spots and play well? Well, even last year, I mean, the the linebackers last year were a question mark. You know, we went into the season saying, all right, well, can these guys replace Zaire Franklin? Can they replace Paris Bennett? And they did a great job. So I have personally a lot of faith in Syracuse's linebackers coach, their defensive coordinator, all that, to get the best out of these linebackers because they've proven they can just have a rotation every year of a new guy coming in or a couple of new guys coming in and leading the team in tackles like they did a year ago. And then, of course, on that defensive line, you've got Kenneth Ruff. He's He's... A senior but first time starter at D tackle Josh Black going to be your nose tackle 
And then, of course, Alden Robinson and Kendall Coleman on the edge. I think those guys may have, I don't want to say a better year than even last year, but very, very close and going to maybe sack this quarterback a lot today. I I think that they might be discounting in terms of how how much they're hyping up this defense, the role of Chris Slayton a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because Slayton didn't put up huge numbers, but Alton and Kendall last year said, Chris Slayton makes our job 10,000 times easier with the way he plays on the interior defensive line. So I think K.J. Ruff, and I don't know if he's going to go by K.J. or Kenneth. I've seen both at this point this year on multiple different death charts. But he has a senior, and then Josh Black as a redshirt junior without McKinley Williams, who is supposed to be a returning starter this season for Syracuse, but he's probably going to be out the first couple of weeks with a bit of a nagging injury. I think they're going to have to really step up. I think those two guys, the interior D linemen and the linebackers, are going to be the biggest question marks for this defense in terms of can they stop a really good, a really high-flying Liberty offense that scored 40 points in six games last season, at least 40 points in six games last year under Turner Gill, who then retired. And now you're bringing in an offensive mind in Hugh Freeze, Freeze, who is a really good offensive mind uh, with Chad Kelly down at Ole Miss, and Chad Kelly has his own set of issues and all that kind of stuff, suspended for the first two games of the NFL season. But can they team up? And I think this is going to be a good test to see how good this Syracuse defense is. I think they might give up a couple of scores early go- in the early goings, kind of like they did against Western Michigan, but I expect them to revert back to that dominant way that we expect them to play by the middle of the second quarter at the latest and then kind of finish out the rest of uh, you know the game strong and pick up a win against Liberty. I don't expect Liberty to give Syracuse a terrible, terrible test in terms of late-game heroics or anything like that, but it sure, certainly should be interesting. Speaking of the Flames, we'll get into exactly what they have to offer. they got a great quarterback, a couple of really good running backs, and an opportunity to have a massive upset, so they're going to be fired up. We'll get into Hugh Freeze a little bit as the new head coach at Liberty. That's coming up on the other side on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Liberty, the Flames down in Lynchburg, Virginia, are the opponent today for Syracuse in the 2019 season opener. Welcome back to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. J.D. Rachi alongside Thomas Schultz. And let's do a quick rundown of everything you need to know about Liberty real fast. We're running out of time in this show. There's just so much to talk about before the season opener. But the Flames' second-year FBS team spent their first season at the FBS level a season ago under Turner Gill. Went 6-6. Six and six. Gill retires from coaching because his wife is actually very sick or was sick uh, toward the end of last season. So he spent he decided to retire from coaching, spend a little bit more time at home with her. He's now at the University of Arkansas in their athletics department. But Hugh Freeze takes over. This is a team that had a really good offense a year ago under Turner Gill, who, of course, uh, his fame comes from his days at Buffalo. But Hugh Freeze is a guy that coached at the highest level in the SEC, and this offense has an opportunity to be really special because of a couple of guys, including a guy named Buckshot. Buckshot Calvert is the quarterback. His name's Stephen Calvert, but he goes by his middle name, Buckshot. And if that doesn't get you excited to watch this game tonight, plus everything that Syracuse has to offer, I don't know what will. And Buckshot, he's a good quarterback. I mean, he threw for over 3,000 yards last year, 21 TDs, but he did have 18 interceptions, so... Watch the secondary. Watch guys like Chris Frederick, Andre Sisko, of course, Melon Fonwu. They might make an impact in this game. But this is a really, really senior-laden team. Uh, you got uh, Buckshot is a senior. Frankie Hickson, their top running back, is also a senior. He ran for just over 1,000 yards last year. They're very high-powered from all directions. And, of course, they've got 
a stud, absolute stud receiver. His name is Antonio Gandy-Golden. He caught over 1,000 yards last year, also a senior, their top tackle returner, a senior. So this whole team, very deep, very old, very experienced. So if, you know, the Syracuse offensive line gets off to a rough start to begin the game, watch out. Things can happen. One guy that's not super experienced at the FBS level is a guy that's actually not on the depth chart right now for them. He's technically their number three running back, but that's Josh Mack. He's actually from the Rochester area, and he was at Maine in the last couple of seasons, transferred to Liberty last year, sat out the season. Now he's eligible and ready to go. He ran for over 1,300 yards at Maine two seasons ago, was the FCS's uh, best rusher that season, the leading rusher. He's a guy to keep your eye on, but this Liberty team, they had some big wins last year. They beat Old Dominion in their first ever FBS versus FBS game down in Lynchburg. Uh, they played UMass really tight, went into a shootout with the Minutemen, lost 62-59 to to them. But this is a team under Hugh Freeze with that SEC moniker, although he is dealing with a staff infection, all that kind of stuff. This offense is really, really dangerous, could test Syracuse in the early goings. Yeah, Hugh Freeze right now looks like he may be coaching from the press box, so it'll be a little interesting. That'll be a first-time experience for him. Uh, but like J.D., you said, he's been dealing with a staph infection. Syracuse.com reported that he was actually running practices from a hotel room using a walkie-talkie. So, obviously, not ideal circumstances for your first year. <laughs> I would say that's <laughs> the opposite of ideal. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, he's still really learning his team. He, you know, he, has, he hasn't been around much, so... We'll see what happens. I'm sure they're very, very excited down in Lynchburg, Virginia, hosting a top 25 opponent. And with their first-time head coach, I mean, a lot of excitement there. And, of course, a lot of excitement up here in Syracuse as well. Yeah, definitely. I think you look at the defensive side of things, the guy that will keep your eye on for Liberty, Jesse Lemontier, their defensive end. He's a redshirt senior. Was awesome a year ago under Turner Gill. We'll look to see if he'll have the same kind of productive season. But this is a Liberty team. Yes, it's their first year in the FBS, or second year, I should say. Second year in the FBS, first year under Hugh Freeze. This is still a team, though, that has guys that had high-level offers. There are some three-star guys on there that had offers from a Florida, from a Michigan State. They weren't going to play a ton at those schools, which is probably why they went with a smaller school in Liberty. But this team still has talent on it. I think that a one thing you can take away, actually, from Beheim's Army run in the uh, in the TBT this year is never underestimate those guys that aren't super highly recruited. Look at the way We Are D3 tested Beheim's Army in the first round of TBT this year. Those guys who are even at D3 level, especially in basketball, it's a little bit different, but in football, at the FCS level, at the D2 level, at the JUCO level, these are really, really talented football players. Look at a guy like Adam Thielen played D2 football at Mankato State. Now he's one of the best wideouts in the NFL. Like You cannot overlook this Liberty team just because they don't have the most highly touted guys. This is a team that has good quarterback, good wideouts, good running back options, a strong defensive end in Lemonnier. So there are guys to look out for on this Liberty team. Syracuse is going to have to battle today. All right, we're going to take one last quick break here on Fizz Radio. We'll be right back to wrap it all up, and it's everybody's favorite segment. Time to have your voices heard. It's Fizz Feedback coming up on The Score 1260. Wrapping things up here on Fizz Radio on The Score 1260, and that means it's time for your favorite segment of the week. It's Fizz Feedback. Put out a couple of polls, getting you ready for Syracuse versus Liberty earlier this week. The first poll we want to talk about, Fizz Feedback. How confident are you in SU to cover the spread 
of minus 18. So they're 18-point favorites. They were 18-point favorites as of Friday in Saturday's season opener against Liberty. The options were no doubt three-touchdown win. Feeling pretty good. Eh, I'm not so sure. Not a chance. Tough game. Far and away, the winner is no doubt three TD win. That kind of goes into the hype conversation that we've been having for most of this show and how much faith that Orange Nation has in this football team. But the fact that not a chance tough game even got a single vote really surprises me. They got 2% of the vote. I mean, why? Did you you just miss a I'm not sure or what happened there? Because if you're actually picking not a chance tough game, I mean, don't get me wrong, Liberty is, is not a bad program. They're, it's not going to be a cupcake. It's not yeah, Wagner. Yeah, exactly. But you you don't think not a chance that Syracuse gets 18 or more points over Liberty? I'm going no doubt three touchdown win in this one, which most 44% of the people said. In, in, in my prediction on orangefizz.net, I, I said they would win by a couple of touchdowns. So I guess I would be in the no doubt three TD win. But if I had to vote personally, I'd probably say feeling pretty good. I'm not 100% sure. I have a feeling they're going to play well, but you never know. Uh, what can happen in college football? Uh, the other, another one. Who are you most excited about seeing play come Saturday night in Lynchburg? Options: Tommy DeVito, Alton Robinson, Andre Cisco, and Andre Schmidt. Overwhelmingly, Tommy DeVito, eighty percent of the vote. That's who they're most excited to see. I don't blame them. I mean, he's got the keys to the sports car, but Andre Schmidt, six percent of the vote. That's pretty good for a kicker. I mean. If you're that excited to see Andre Schmidt, good on you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe you want to see some 50-yard boots, see what happens. I mean, one of our commenters said he really wants to see what Tommy DeVito does with the receiving corps, see who mm-hmm. he connects best with. I, I agree with that. I think that's – I want to see Tommy DeVito play, but I really want to see, all right, who's the guy this year? Who is he going to go to the most? Who's the Jamal Custis? Who's the Steve Ishmael? Who's the Amba Edatawo? I think it's going to be either Tristan Jackson or Taj Harris. There's some built-in uh, camaraderie with Taj Harris who played more than Tristan Jackson did last season. But then again, who the heck knows? A couple of last ones here. Who's most likely to have a breakout season in 2019? Mo Neal, Taj Harris, Ify Melifanu, other. Ify Melifanu will win in that vote 43%. I'd go with either him or Taj Harris in this vote. Uh, Taj coming in in second with 28%, tied with Mo Neal. But again, surprising, 2% of the vote going to other. I'm very surprised at who they commented with. Chris Frederick, this will be his 32nd consecutive start on Saturday. I think that takes him out of the running for breakout player. I don't think you can be a breakout player if you've played 32 games in a row. Once you you type 32nd, you you got to think about that. Be like, maybe I should cancel this one and, you know, go on. Yeah, I I mean – I think Chris Frederick's going to have a great season. I think he's a really good cornerback. I think he'll have a really strong season, just like he did last year. I'm just not really 100% sure that he can you know, qualify as a breakout star considering he was so good a season ago and considering he's a senior and considering, like the commenter said, this is his 32nd consecutive <laughs> start in a row. I'm just not sure that technically qualifies as a breakout star. All right, last Fizz feedback here. Which true freshman do you think has a chance to make the biggest impact this season? And the first, or options one and three of this poll, were easy to pick coming into camp, going into summer camp. Michael Jones and Lee Koba. The second one, though, Courtney Jackson, he's been a riser, a guy that 
Dino Babers has shown a lot of faith in over the last couple of weeks and say, said that he can really be something special. He's probably going to play quite a few snaps in this Liberty game later today, but Michael Jones running away with the vote 58%. He's, of course, a backup at the linebacker position, which I think we'll see a lot of depth at this year, a lot of reps for everybody at this year because it is such a question mark. But certainly, Michael Jones, Courtney Jackson, and Lee Koba are guys to keep your eyes on for Syracuse football when they make their debut later today, 6 o'clock start time on ESPN Plus down in Lynchburg, Virginia, taking on the Liberty Flames. First time starting a season ranked since 1998. So much hype, so much anticipation, so much excitement surrounding the Syracuse football program. That'll do it for us here on Fizz Radio. For Thomas Schultz, I'm J.D. Rachi saying so long. Enjoy the game. Can Syracuse replicate their success from a season ago? We'll find out.